This is my tribe. 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 tribe. What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. What's up? Hi, 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 you guess. You guess you're saying hi. Um, how many of you guys are doing good tonight? How many of you guys are doing okay tonight? Okay, here we are. Let's be brave. How many of you guys wish you were... I'm just kidding. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I know there's some people out there that wish they were somewhere else besides here. California. <laughs> That's a big wish. Anywhere but here. In Texas. What's in Texas? Alabama. Heart. Heart emoji. Red heart, blue heart, green heart. Black heart, purple heart, yellow hearts. I don't know what all those different color hearts means, um, but I love Alabama. And actually, today, I'm going to tell you a story about Alabama, but before we get there, how many of you guys were starting this new series on stories and things that are worth repeating? Um, How many of you guys have ever heard something, either a story or a phrase, over and over and over and over again? Um, I think we can all raise our hands to that. Um, One of the things that I learned in elementary school, science class, this is the only thing I learned in biology, is that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. How many of you guys knew that? My eighth grade biology teacher was like four foot high. Um, His name was Mr. Kaiser, and he talked like this, and all he would say is, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. And that's all I can tell you about our bodies, um, is that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Or maybe you've heard phrases like this, and I know none of you would respond the way that I'm going to. Your parents ask you almost every day, hey, how was your day? Hey, how was your day? Hey, how was your day? Hey, how was that event that you went to? Hey, how was school? And you respond, good. One word, good. So you might hear that every day when you get in the car. Um, The little kids hear, hey, how was church? Hey, how was your friend's house? And mostly, we always respond, good. Um, The church that I grew up in, the pastor used to say it was like clockwork. Like every three weeks, he would say, show me your friends, and I will show you your future. And he would say it over and over again. The closest five people in your life, that's who you're going to become. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. We could tell when he was going to say it. Um, maybe you hear something over and over again that could be classified as gossip. Like, did you know that X person broke up with Y person again? Like, how many of you guys have those friends that they break up over and over again, then they get back together, then they break up, then they get back together, then they break up? And then they hate each other and you're forced to choose which one you like. Or maybe you hear your little brother's favorite joke 
that's really not funny over and over and over again. So for those of you who don't know, I have a little brother. Um, I call him my little big brother because he's a lot bigger than I am, Um, but he's my little brother, and he's about two years younger than me, and one of his favorite things to say when we were growing up made me want to punch him in the head. So I'm going to invite you into Teenage TiVo's life just for a quick second, and he would sing this little thing, and he would go, when I wake up in the morning, I can smell your breath. Woo-ha! You need some aqua fresh. And that's all he would say. And he would say it over and over and over every morning. When I wake up in the morning, I can smell your breath. Woo-ha! You need some aqua fresh. And I didn't know if he was trying to tell me that my breath smelled bad, but he would normally say it after I brushed my teeth. But he said it over and over and over again to the point that I wanted to hurt him. Or maybe... Today, this afternoon, as you were waking up from your after-church nap or as you were just sitting in your house, your phone started blowing up with these notifications that Kobe Bryant passed away. So there's lots of things that we hear over and over and over again. So whether it's a news feed, the most popular thing that's happening right now, or it's something that your annoying sibling does to you, or even if it's as simple as your parents trying to get into your life and ask you how your life is doing, we hear things over and over again. And I think the reason that we hear things over and over again is because if people are repeating it, it might just be worth repeating. It might be worth retelling. It might be worth reposting. Because to them, it's important. To my brother, he thought he was hilarious at 6 o'clock in the morning as he's singing this jingle. My brother is one of those people that has the sense of humor that you don't know whether to laugh or to be scared. Like anytime we were in youth group, people would make jokes. So think me. So my name's TiVo. I'm, I'm a thin little guy. My brother is probably like three times my size, like bodybuilder status. Um, and people would make jokes to him. His response instantly, without missing a beat, would be, is it because I'm black? And people wouldn't know how to respond. They'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just asked if you like macaroni and cheese, and his response was, is it because I'm black? And so he thought it was hilarious. Everyone else around him died a little bit every time he said it because they thought that was the day that they were going to die. And so sometimes stories are worth repeating. I remember growing up in the great state of Alabama, um, Rotai, that there was this mountain, so you know what a mountain is. I haven't seen a lot of mountains since I've been here in Southern Illinois. Um, But we had mountains. Um, Some people would call them hills if you're from Colorado because they're really not that big. But this mountain, if you climb to the top of it, you could see the entire city. Like we had a real downtown, you know, the downtown that has like 15-story, 30-story buildings. We had one of those. when you climb to the top of the mountain, you could see the airport out in the distance. You could see the Space and Rocket Center. You could see the Redstone Arsenal where they blew up these big bombs that are top secret. So every day growing up in Alabama, you didn't know whether we were having an earthquake or if they were just testing another nuclear warhead. And so this mountain, Montesano Mountain, um, me and my friends used to, now we've established this comfortability with each other, right? I tell you things, you don't judge me based on my past, I don't judge you based on your past. When I do dumb things, you don't judge me. When you do dumb things, I don't judge you. 
So, not that I've ever done anything wrong in my life besides breaking into the pool. What we used to do besides breaking into the pool is we would, after dark, this trail was closed, but we would break the rules um, and climb the trail anyway. And it was a lot of fun. Like, except when we didn't remember to bring flashlights because it was a hiking trail. So we would climb this hiking trail up this mountain to the top of the mountain. And when you got to the top, you're climbing, you're climbing, you're climbing, you're tripping, you're falling, everyone's laughing. When you got to the top, it opened up into this beautiful view of the city of Huntsville. One night when we climbed up, we thought it would just be great to hang out past sunset. So trail closes at dusk, whatever dusk is, sun goes down, trail closes. We start climbing, there's a little bit of light outside. We get to the top, it's pitch black. We're having a great time, we're hanging out. Before we knew it, it's 11.30. So we're like, okay, we need to get back down off of this mountain. But no one, mountain hill, no one could remember how we got to the top of the mountain. Because at dark time, the trail looks completely different than what it does when it's light outside. So needless to say, it took us about 15 minutes to get to the top of the mountain and about an hour and a half to find our way back to the bottom of the mountain. We got lost. Now let me ask you, how many of you guys have ever been lost before? You've been lost before. You bring camping gear wherever you go. We're going on a 15-minute trip, but we're going to take this camping gear just in case. How many of you guys know what it feels like to be lost? How do you know when you're lost? Someone shout out something to me. How do you know when you're lost? When you don't know where you're at. That's a good one. Yeah, we can give it up for Vincent for that. When you don't know where you're at. When you don't know where your parents are. I don't know if you've ever been in a store and you turn around and you can't find your parents and for a split second you think, that's it, they said they were going to leave me and today was the day that they left me inside of Walmart. Um, how else can you know that you're lost? Amnesia. How else can you know that you're lost? One more person, one more person. Right here. When you can't find anybody that you know. So let's think about when we're lost. So some of us raised our hands and said we've been lost before. Whether you're driving somewhere and you get lost, or you're in a store and you look up and your parents aren't there, or you just get lost because you're not paying attention, or you're dumb like I was in high school, and you climb a mountain at dark time and don't know how to get back down. How does it make you feel when you're lost? Sad. Happy. Why would you be happy that you're lost? Scared, horrified, nervous. What'd you say? Nothing. You said something. As you sit on the front, terrified. Every time someone says the word terrified, I think of that song um, that I'm not going to sing, so it's going to be great. I've already sung twice for you tonight, and that's all you get. So all of those things happen when we get lost. We feel scared. We feel frightened. We feel terrified. When we find ourselves in unfamiliar surroundings or unexpected situations, when everything feels a little bit turned around, it can be hard to figure out what's next. Now, tonight we're not talking about just being physically lost. We're not talking about you driving somewhere and you're making the wrong turn. We're also talking about being emotionally and spiritually lost as well. So sometimes we feel both emotionally and or spiritually lost. 
And sometimes this happens in the most familiar places, whether it be in your home, at church, or at school. So how do we know when we're lost emotionally or spiritually? That's the question that we're going to wrestle with tonight. And I like to say that we know we're lost emotionally or spiritually when we don't know how we got where we are, we're probably lost. Or when you aren't sure what you're doing or why you're doing it, you might be lost. Or maybe even when you feel alone, isolated, or afraid, you might be lost. You see, when we don't know what to do next to change the way things are, we may start to feel like we're lost. That sense of feeling of being lost can happen for all kinds of different reasons. Maybe you feel lost because of a circumstance that you're in. Maybe your parents just got divorced or your boyfriend dumped you, your family is moving to a new city, you're in a situation that you didn't expect yourself to be in, so you don't know how to respond in that situation. Maybe you feel lost because of a choice that you made. You made a decision that you knew wasn't right. Your friends, your parents told you not to make the decision, yet you made the decision anyway. And maybe that's left you feeling disappointed about yourself. Maybe you feel like, once again, you failed God or you failed your parents. And you might not know what to do next. And maybe you think you're stuck where you are. That you can't change the past and you can't change what's currently happening in your life. No matter how hard you try, you can't figure out how to move forward. You can't make things different. And last, maybe you feel like you're unseen, unnoticed, or unloved. I think this is something that everyone in the room can relate to. At some point in your life, feeling unseen, unnoticed, or unloved. Maybe it feels like no one cares about you or how you feel, and that leaves you feeling more alone than ever. And if we're honest, I think we'll all say that we felt a little bit lost at some point in our lives. Maybe you feel that way right now. Maybe the way that you're dealing with the pressures of school right now has you paralyzed and you don't know what to do next. Maybe you feel a little hopeless with your situation. You don't know how you're going to respond to the divorce that your parents are going to or to the financial pressures that's happening in your household. And maybe you feel trapped. Like no matter what you do, you can't get out of this rut that you're in. You can't make it better. You see, when we feel trapped, we don't know how we got there, so we don't know exactly how to get out of that situation. And at the end of the day, I don't think any of us want to stay lost. So like me on that mountain, I didn't take any camping gear because I just thought it was going to be a quick trip up the mountain. But how do we get out of that situation when we're stuck? One of the things that I love about the Bible is the stories that it contains. So I believe that from cover to cover, everything that's in the Bible is true, that Jesus and God put these stories together in the Bible for a reason. And I believe one of the best storytellers in all of history is Jesus. So today we're going to look at one of the stories that Jesus told in the Bible in the book of Luke. And so in this day, Jesus would tell stories that we call parables. And parable is basically a story that Jesus told that related to the culture that he was telling it to so that people could understand what he was trying to tell them. You see, parables involve everyday scenarios. Like it could be something simple like, when you go get water, you should do this, and this is what happens after that. It involves 
scenarios, it involved ways that people could change and get closer to God, and it showed them something new about God that they maybe did not know before Jesus told the parable. So I believe these are definitely some stories that are worth repeating. So like I said, we're going to look at this parable found in the book of Luke. And it's one of those that changed people's views on what it meant to be lost. It's actually one of my favorite parables in the entire Bible. And it's the parable of the prodigal son. Everyone say prodigal son. Everyone say prodigal son. I'm just making sure you're awake. And so here's the story of the prodigal son in a nutshell. There is this man. He had two sons. How many sons did he have? Two. He had two sons. And one day the younger son came to his dad and said, hey, dad, I want my inheritance today. And this was a big deal because in their culture, your inheritance only came when your parents passed away. So essentially, this younger son went to his dad and said, hey, dad, I wish you were dead. Give me your money. I don't know how your parents would respond to that situation, but my mom would probably slap me into next week if I went to her and said, hey, I wish you were dead. Give me everything that you own. So this son went, goes to his dad and he tells him, hey, dad, I want my inheritance right now. And for some reason, the dad decides that he's going to give in and give the inheritance to the younger brother and the older brother. So remember, two sons. So all of them, both of them, get the money that they were supposed to get after their dad passed. So after the younger son got his money, he decided, I'm going to leave home. So he left home, and the Bible tells us that he squandered his money, which is a big word that means he spent it on pointless things. Like if he lived today, it might be going to Chick-fil-A 16 times a day. It might be buying the latest skins on Fortnite, even though he didn't need them. It might be him just throwing money, buying all the shoes, buying all the clothes. The Bible says that he lived wild living, that he participated in wild living. Now, I don't know exactly what wild living means, but the Bible says he spent all of his money on wild living. And you know what happens when you run out of money, right? you go bankrupt. In this case, the younger son spent all of his money and ended up having to get a job feeding pigs. Now, how many of you guys have ever fed a pig before? Anyone in the room ever actually fed a pig? Feeding pigs is not a glamorous job. It's not at all. So the guy went from having everything to having nothing and feeding the pigs. And after he ended up feeding the pigs, he decided it was time to go home. Because you see, he'd forgotten what was most important in his life. And like a lot of us, he figured out that he was lost. He was lost in the ways of remembering what his dad raised him to be. Um, the Bible doesn't tell us how the dad raised the son, but in this culture, they were very particular about how they taught their sons. And so he was lost. And if st instead of staying where he was, the younger son, son decided to take a brave step and go back to his father and ask him for help. Now, if I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure I could do this. If I had just told my mom or my dad, hey, I wish you were dead. Give me all your money. Then I took all of their money and I went and spent it on everything. BMWs, private planes, like whatever I want to buy. Big houses with 300 rooms in it that, I, you know, just crazy things. And then at the end of the day, I'm 
feeding the pigs and thinking about eating what they're eating, I don't think I could go back and be like, hey, mom, you remember that time I said I wish you were dead? I was just kidding. Um, Can I come back and live with you? But the dad does something that I wonder what would we do in that situation. So let's read this in Luke chapter 15, verse 20. And it says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now, I think this is crazy. Like, the dad sees his son coming, and the dad starts running to his son. The same son that said, hey, I wish you were dead. Give me everything you own. He drops everything he's doing, and he runs towards his son. And not only does he run towards him, he runs towards him and gives him a big hug and a kiss. And he tells him, I'm so glad that you're back. He's so excited that his son's back that he decides to throw the party of all parties for his son coming back. And so they throw this big raging party. The dad gives the son new clothes. The dad gives the son the family ring, new shoes, and kills the, big, the best animals to throw this feast. And then the Bible says that this statement was made. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Wow, what an epic ending to this story. It started off with this son, the younger son, saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me your money. Okay, here's your money. I'm walking away. I spent all my money. I'm feeding pigs. I don't have a meal. I don't know where my next meal is coming from. Dad, will you take me back? Dad runs his son, gives him a hug, gives him a kiss, throws an epic party and says, my son was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. You see, rather than focusing on the reason his son was lost, the father simply celebrated the fact that his son was found. You see, Jesus used parables to teach us about God. And this parable teaches us that God loves you even when you're lost. God loves you even when you're lost. So no matter what you did to get into your situation of being lost, God loves you while you're there. God loves you while you were doing what you did to get there, and God will love you after you come back. How many of you guys have ever seen a lost and found box before? A lost and found box. How many of you guys have ever lost something and had something in the lost and found box? So the crazy thing about a lost and found box is people lose something that's valuable to them. Here at the church, we take it, we put it in this cabinet, and we leave it in the cabinet, and then once a month, we go and we either throw it away, or we donate it to Renew, or we, a lot of times, it's not stuff you can donate, it's like weird stuff. People lose the weirdest things. Um, Say what? Like what? I'm trying to think. A sock, like one sock, yes. There has been a sock in the lost and found before. Like, I don't know where the other sock is. It's the weirdest things. Um, Now, sometimes people lose very valuable things, like one one day after prayer, this lady left the church, and she just left her entire purse here. And we were trying to call her, and then we realized her purse is vibrating because she left her phone in the purse. Um, She she drove with her husband, so she didn't even know she left her purse because they got all the way home. And then they came all the way back. She's like, hey, I think I left my purse. And I was like, hey, it's in the lost and found. And so, like I said, God loves you even when you're lost. And just like when we lose things and they go into the lost and found, just because it's trash to me, like that one sock or that lady's purse, there was nothing I could do with that lady's purse. It wasn't my color. Um, 
is valuable to someone else. The things that are lost are always valuable to someone else. You see, God cares about us when we're lost. He still loves us. He's watching and waiting for us to come back. He doesn't expect us to get it all together before we get back to him. Someone in this room needs to hear that. God doesn't expect you to have it all together before you come back to him. That was something that if I could have learned at your age would have radically shifted my life. I always believed that I had to have it all together. I had to pray the right way. I had to read the Bible the right way before God would accept me. But God says you don't have to have it all together before you come back to him. You see, he just wants us to turn to him for help. He wants his love to meet us where we are. He wants his most valued treasure, which is us, to return to him. Because you remember, we're so valuable to God that he sent his only son, Jesus, to come to earth as a baby and live a perfect life and then ultimately go to the cross and die on the cross for every sin I've ever committed, the sins I committed today, every sin I will commit in the future, so that one day all of us in this room would profess to him that, hey, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be my savior. I want you to be my best friend. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that one day you will come again. You see, God loved us so much that he did that. He loves us and misses us when we're lost. You see, when you return to God, he rejoices. He throws a big party. It's like when we find something we've lost. I don't know how many of you have ever lost your cell phone. Anyone here ever lost your cell phone? Um, my wife's not here, so I can tell you this. My wife loses stuff all the time, like TV remotes, I, her cell phone, her keys, her wallet, her license. I'm sure if Simeon didn't talk, she might lose Simeon once or twice. Like, she just loses stuff because she has a lot going through her head. She'll walk in. How many of you guys have ever lost your phone, but you've been, the phone's been in your hand, and you're like, where's my phone? Where's, like, where's my phone? Like, that's what happens in our household constantly. Like, hey, have you seen my phone? Have you looked in your hand? Like, um, but when we find something that we lost, we get really excited, and we get overjoyed by it. And this is what I want you to remember. God loves you even when you're lost. So if you're feeling lost tonight because of circumstances or choices that you've made in your life, maybe you've done something that has disappointed your parents, maybe you've done something that's been disobedient to what God's word tells us we should do, God still loves you. God's waiting for you to turn back to him and say, hey, I'm here. I'm sorry for the things that I did. I repent of those things. Big fancy words that means I'm sorry, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to try to stop doing that. I'm going to turn, I'm going to come towards you. God's waiting for us to do that. You don't have to get it all right. You just have to ask him to help you as you go. And as this parable shows us, God loves us so much that anytime we feel lost, he'll be waiting for us with open arms. And the band can go ahead and make your way back this way. Now, maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, that's great and all, but I've never done anything that made me feel lost. I'm a perfect person. I'm here to tell you there's no person in this room that's a perfect person. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, I've made all the right choices. I'm not like my brother. I'm not like my sister. I do things the right way. I obey my mom. I obey my dad. I go to church. I read my Bible. So why are we celebrating someone that did something wrong? And if you're thinking about that tonight, I just want you to know I've been there. 
And before we close out tonight, let's talk about the other person in this story that we talked about tonight, the older brother. You see, he was in the story too. You remember him? He stayed behind. His dad gave him the same amount of money that he gave the other son, yet the older brother decided he was going to stay behind. He was going to work hard. He was going to do things the right way. But his younger brother, the one who did it the opposite way, is the one who ended up with the big party. Sometimes life is unfair. Sometimes we don't get what we think we deserve. And in this case, the older brother thought that I did everything by the book. I obeyed dad. I took care of his money. I stayed home. Why does that guy get the party and I don't get the party? You see, the older brother was just as lost as the younger brother was. Yes, the older brother didn't go out and waste all of his money living a wild life. Yes, the older brother stayed home with the dad, but in the process of brewing over what his younger brother was doing, he got lost. He seemed more concerned about his dad blessing his younger brother than he did with his relationship with his dad or his relationship with his younger brother. Yes, he was obedient, but he was obedient in the wrong way. He got angry. That is his obedience didn't earn him a party. He was angry that his obedience didn't earn him a party. Like Luke talked about earlier, anger is not necessarily a bad thing, but the way that you respond when you are angry what is what makes it bad. You see, he didn't celebrate alone with his dad when his brother came home. As annoying as my little brother is at times, if anything happened to him, I would be crushed. As annoying as my little brother was when he was singing that dumb song over and over and over, or when he wanted to watch Yu-Gi-Oh! and I didn't want to watch Yu-Gi-Oh! Or when he wanted to play with my Power Rangers and I didn't want him to play with my Power Rangers. The day that he walked away from God, the story, I love it, is because it reminds me of my story. I was the older brother. I did everything right. I went to church. At the age of 12, I said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. At the age of 13, I started working in churches. And I haven't done everything right. And my little brother was the complete opposite of me. At the age of 13, he was kicking out daycare windows, like after school care, and telling kids he was going to drown them in the pool, and saying, like, it's because I'm black, and people were scared of him. Like, it was polar opposites. But I can tell you the day that my little brother decided to follow Jesus, unlike this older brother, I was so excited that I cried. I was so excited that all of the prayers, all of the pain that my mom went through was worth it because he came home. And I know that one day we're going to get to spend Jesus, spend life together with Jesus because of that decision that he made. You see, in this story, the older brother lost sight of what was important, which was his relationship with his dad and loving his brother. You see, we all need to know that no matter what we've done or how lost we feel in our hearts, God loves us even when we're lost. So the next time that you're feeling lost, how can we remember that we're loved by God no matter what? Here's a couple ways for you. Number one, look around and recognize where you are. Be honest about why you feel lost and how you got there. And determine what led you to feeling lost in the first place. Number two, remember what God wants for you. God wants you to be found. 
He wants you to come home. He wants you to come home just as you are right now. He's not telling you you need to clean yourself up. He's not telling you that you need to be perfect. He's just telling you, come home. I love you. We'll figure it out when you get here. And number three, tell someone about where you are right now. Now, it is extremely important for you to pray and to be honest with God, but just as important as that is, it is extremely important for you to find an adult that is a Christian that believes God, believes the stories that we tell, and to confide in them. That's why tribe groups are so important, to get in a group with like-minded people that will be there for you when you have a hard day. When you're going through something you need prayer, your tribe group's there for you. The leaders of your tribe groups are there for you. So I want you to remember this. God loves you even when you're lost. He loves you so much, and he'll meet you wherever you are right in life. So as we end tonight, I want you to think about this question. What's one reason I might feel lost right now? So if you guys will stand and bow your heads and close your eyes, and I'll pray for us. God, I'm standing here and confessing that at different times, in different seasons of life, I feel lost. I feel like I don't know what my next steps are. I feel like I don't know what you're calling me to do. And I would go out on the limb and say that there are students in this room that feel that way. They felt that way on their way to church tonight. They felt that way yesterday. They don't know. They're lost emotionally. Maybe they're lost physically, but a lot of them are lost spiritually. God, I pray that you light our paths that you place leaders in our lives that will help point us back to you. That you'll let us know that you love us no matter what. That all we have to do is make the first step to you and you're going to run to us, embrace us, and say, I'm glad you're home. I pray that as we continue in worship, that we'll sing these songs to you as a sign that we're worshiping you, we're singing them as prayers, um, as devotion to everything that you've done for us for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sins, for everyone's sins in this room. I thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.